What's going on, Orlando City fans? This is the OC Lions Block Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Rushnell, here with co-host Daniel Young. And today we have a lot to talk about. We're going to be going over some player grades um, for this for the central defensive midfielders. We're going to be talking about them. We got some transfer rumors. We had a new signing today. And then, of course, we have a couple bits of news as well regarding Orlando City. Here to help me with all that, as I just said, my co-host, Daniel. Um, how are you doing, Daniel? Uh, doing all right, Gavin, and yourself? I am doing great. The holidays are coming to a close. Uh, we, obviously, you and I were going to be recording yesterday, but I was busy with family, a lot busier than I thought I would be, and so we had to push it off until today. So um, sorry for the one-day delay. That's the word. We're getting a podcast out another Monday, another signing. Um but before we talk about that, we're going to touch on some player grades. Um, let's get, just get those out of the way. Uh, just trying to wrap those up for the season. And we're going to start with Mendez. Uh, new signing. Uh, we got him in the door. And I thought he had a very good season, especially a good start to the season. He uh, he was really buzzing around the park. He was uh, a name the, the first name of the starting lineup, in my opinion, he he was almost in every game. He he was really important in those first couple games. Even though we didn't do amazing, he was uh, doing really well for us. Would you agree with that at the beginning of the season? Yeah, definitely. He, he was a decent player. Like he, I looked at him in the Invitational. That was the first time a lot of us saw him. And he had this tendency to put a foot in, which I think immediately endeared him to the fans. And we needed some steel in the midfield. Um, he certainly provided that, but he, uh, be, be as it may, with a lot of young players, he just um, struggled maybe for consistency through the season. But I think he'll get better for the next season for sure. Yeah, I'm very excited for him next season. We'll talk about him more in a little bit. But over the course of the season, as it went on, he seemed to slow down. Uh, obviously, he went off to the. Uh, what did he do? The Copa America, I think, or Gold Cup, one of those. He had national team duty. And uh, after that, he was a different a different player, in my opinion. He, he slowed down. Obviously, it was his first season in MLS. He just wasn't as good as he was at the start of the season. And I think that, that caused fans to uh, be more cautious with rating him. I, I, I had a lot more fans saying in my mentions, you know, Oh, Mendez isn't that good of a player, but I still rate him very highly. What were your thoughts on his end of season form? He looked like a, a fatigued, sort of typical young player. You know, we were struggling just as a team, and I think we touched on this last week, expecting a player to come in and just sort of run, you know, go full pelt and be at their best completely is, is unrealistic when you look at the transitional period Orlando City was in. So I felt the criticism of him was kind of unfair. I mean, fans are entitled to say what they like, but I don't think there was valid grounds for it, to be honest. Um, he's a good young player that needs to be with D 
decent players around him so that he can he can also improve as well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. You know, he had a lot of shifting and and uh, different players around him. He had a lot of rotating parts. He had a lot of rotating parts around him. He just he was seemed to be the the guy in the midfield every every time we needed him, every time he was available. And then next to him was Will Johnson, Yuri Rossell, Higita, even Dylan Powers at one point. Like he he just was the mainstay in our central defensive mid under James O'Connor. And for me, I have to give him a, a B plus or or maybe an A minus just on that edge because he had that amazing start to the season and then he fell off. No fault of his own. He was with Ecuador at the World Cup or the World Cup, the Gold the um, Copa America like or Gold Cup, one of those, as we mentioned, and um, he fell off after that. So he is right on the edge of B plus, A minus for me. What about you? Um, I was going to just give them a B, to be honest. I think that we saw a lot of what Mendes can bring to the team, but ultimately his impact, I mean, I'm looking at his uh, numbers here. He only actually played 23 games in the MLS last season which was a lot, actually, less than I thought. But, um, yeah, he was on un- your sub for quite a few games. And, I don't know, like, he wasn't consistent in the second half of the season. But I think Abia is still a good grade. I mean, it's it's typical of a good young player finding his feet, which is exactly what he is. We have to remember that, I think, as supporters. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're going with that with Mendez at a B. He, he, he was solid, so I'll have to agree with you there. So... B plus B in that range. Uh, I have to agree with that. Moving on to Higita, um, no longer with the team, uh, did not play at the start of the season. There was a huge uproar for him to get playing time. And then when he got playing time, he forced himself into the starting 11, gets injured, and then comes in and out of the team, gets injured again. Like he consistent when on the field, inconsistent in terms of health, what were your thoughts on his season? I think that the team was certainly better with him in it. He, he was a good link-up player, just from kind of from the the six to the eight positions, and occasionally into the final third. I just felt that he connected play extremely well, and he was very dynamic, very good at close control, holding possession. I think he was a good partner for Mendes in truth, and. I'm not quite sure what happened with him, you know, but he was a perpetual resident in James O'Connor's doghouse, along with uh, Danny Acosta and a couple of other guys. And you just wondered, like, what did he do? But ultimately, it's uh, someone else's game now. He uh, certainly improved as just with the transitional play more than anything. And I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, I was not happy to see him go, but I understood seeing him go. But, uh, in terms of on the field, I would have to give him, again, a B plus, A minus. Um, off the field, I'd have to give him a C. So I'm going to stick with a B. You know, uh, similar to what you gave Mendez. Uh, and, and and I'm going to stick with a B for Higita. Yeah, I'm going with a C. And that's only because if we're looking at how he impacted the season, I mean, he's got nine, nine appearances here, I think, in MLS, which is you know, like just a little bit more than a quarter of the season. It did okay in those nine games and we certainly looked better, but he didn't impact the team as much. I think by virtue of that, I would give him a C. 
Although I'd love to be in a position to to give him a higher grade. Yeah, I really we we really needed him to uh, to play more games for us. It, it, but you know the injury and and you know the injury probably it, it didn't help that he didn't play that much early on in the season, and that probably helped with him getting the injury. You know. And, well, it, it comes to um, when you look at a player like Higita, you just think that whatever the, the rift was between him and the coach for that first portion of the season, it, it really screwed up Higita's season as we moved on because just like he touched on with the injuries, a, a lot of people don't understand that to keep fit and keep those muscles right, you've got to play games and no amount of practice and you have no B team is going to prepare any of the fringe players for coming in and playing at a high level. It's it's a flaw that we've had in Orlando for years. And I think Hagit is a victim of that flaw, particularly last season. You know, when, when we look at the numbers, it's understandable that he was moved on, but I think he was kind of sabotaged as well. Yeah, he he was definitely sabotaged, just not getting game time under, it seemed like every single coach. You know, I think Adrian Heath was the one who gave him the most consistent game time, and that is when he was his rawest as a player in terms of development. As he began to develop, as he began to get better, um, he just saw less and less time, and it was very confusing, uh, very sad to see, um, and now we have lost him. We've lost a key piece to our midfield. Um, moving on, though, to Yuri Rossell came in a couple seasons ago. This season did not play a lot in the beginning. I think he had um, a couple games here and there. I remember seeing that he started against New York Red Bulls in our first win of the season. And I was like, well, there you go. Yuri Rossell comes in and, and we win a game. You know, he's a solid player. Um, not only win a game, but get a clean sheet. Um he just so sporadic in his performances across his time with Orlando City. But in terms of this season, not good enough for me. Um, he had a couple good passes, a couple good tackles, uh, worked hard, but just average when I feel like he can do better. I, I'm giving him a C. Yeah, I would go with a C, I think. And again, he, he played you know, just over half the games. He didn't make a massive impact. And he's somebody who has, you can see that he has a, a quality about him, but he, he just scarcely showed it. And it's probably the same issue as we had with Mendes, with just the constant rotation of midfield partners. And in the end, we ended up with a lot of midfielders who ultimately, I don't think any of them really, bar one or two, specialises in any role. So he's a victim of that particular setup, but... Again, he's a senior player. You would expect him to come in at the age of 26, 27 and, and be able to stamp his mark now. He's been in Orlando long enough to do it, and he failed, so I'll go with my C grade. Yeah, now now we have high hopes for him going into next season. Obviously, we're linked with Urso, who we will talk in a, in a second here, but we have high hopes for him. We have hopes that he's going to be the starting player for Oscar Pereja in that position, and we... We need him to step up. Hopefully, Pereja can get the best out of him. He can put him in a position in his formation to succeed and give him the the players around him to succeed. But if not, that it would just be another underwhelming season from Yuri, and we might see him leave. No, I, I tend to agree. Um, I like him as a as a player, and I, I think he's a, a decent uh, character to have around the squad. But 
you know, he needs a fresh start like uh, like a lot of us. So I think this season is either going to be a hit or miss for him as far as Orlando is concerned. All right, and last one, probably the most controversial player uh, almost in Orlando City history, Will Johnson. Uh, nobody wanted Will Johnson here next this season after his horrible last season. Um, a lot of people not happy with him with for a multitude of reasons. Uh you know, you think of the DC United game where all you had to do was pass it to Pino and he dribbled it and got tackled, blah, 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 blah. We all know what happened. Um, or just his poor overall play. Um, I was not a fan of Will Johnson and I was not a fan of the contract clause accidentally being hit where he was given a contract extension automatically for hitting a certain number of games. Uh, that was laughable to say the least, but he stepped up this season um, in the face of criticism again from the from his own fans, from the, his own team's fans. He stepped up. I thought he worked his ass off like he always does, and he he won over a lot of fans. You know, at the beginning of the season, I remember many people saying, "I I don't like Will Johnson, but he's doing good." You know, people were recognizing that he's doing good. And some people have even forgotten just how bad he was because of his good season this season. I don't like him, like I just said. I do respect his season, though. And because of the criticism, I'm going to go a little bit lenient here and actually give him an A. Just because of how hard he worked, he may not have been our best midfielder. But the mentality-wise and... And the work rate he'd given us, I'm going to give him an A. Well, I think that what you described is kind of like the sweet spot of supporting any uh, sports player, whether you can dislike the person but appreciate the contribution they make. And I agree. He was um, he was up and down, certainly, in his first couple of years. I don't like the argument about his high salary. Again, he didn't make, he didn't make his contract. He was offered it. He signed it. That's not a basis for him to get um, any flack for me. I think that we look at his performances and, yeah, he, he certainly won a lot of fans over and, you know, he, he stuck it out. He showed up. He put his face where it needed to go and he was there. He didn't hide. I think you got to give him some credit. My overall grade for Will Johnson is going to be a B. And, again, he he impacted the team in the sense that he worked hard, as you said, but he didn't really offer a spectacular, you know, kind of depth-defined role. He was just a very good, you know, box-to-box player for us, and he, he helped probably to to make us a little tougher to beat when we needed it. So a, a B for me, I would say. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with you, but I, I, I wasn't even talking about Johnson's salary. I, uh, he was – his salary was never a problem for me. Uh, he – I think 490 or 480 or whatever he was on isn't that bad for a midfielder who's going to play the minutes that he played for us, uh, which were a lot of minutes. He uh, he was always coming off the bench. He was starting games, and he was starting games back-to-back to back a lot of times, especially when the, those midweek games were coming in. I, I feel like he was putting in a lot of work, and he was working hard those games. So his salary never really gave me problems. I know they gave a lot of other people problems. Um it was it was just like last season his quality of play was not good enough for him to stay at all 
uh, even on a hundred thousand or even eighty thousand. I just I didn't like what he brought to the team. This season, I liked it a lot more. No, I tend to agree with you. Um, I was referencing more what the the consensus was from a lot of the fan base when it came to the salary. Yeah, not so much what you were referencing, but what he was, you know, what he was attracting from supporters. I felt that, you know, you have to get mad at the people that, that do the contracts, not the people that receive them. But anyway, um, I agree. Like, he, he was really not a specialist at anything, but he did bring a lot of endeavour to the team, which certainly helped make us tough to beat at times. So... That's it for the player grades today. We're just going to leave those four players and we finish them. Now let's talk about today's signing. Antonio Carlos, center back from Palmeiras. Um, another Monday, another signing, like I said earlier. Six foot three, I want to say. Um, and in a new revelation, uh, he is going to be TAM or DP level signing, which basically means he is our top three earner at the club um, with transfer fee and salary. What are your thoughts on that specifically, the uh, TAM backslash DP kind of thing? No, as far as um, Carlos goes, I'm very happy with the signing. I feel that we have to strengthen the position. And a lot of fans, when we have these conversations about DP players, um, MLS clubs tend to lean towards having guys in the final third and in those big contracts. A lot of it, I'm sure, for entertainment purposes and, and so forth. But we have 11 positions on the field and we can't keep neglecting the defence, especially the centre-back position. Um, it's been our worst position probably for three or four years. So I'm all for it. I'm not concerned at all about the DP tag. And if we end up getting him as a TAM player and we have the DP slot up, and then I, I don't see a situation where Orlando can lose. Yeah, and I think... Also, people tend to forget that anything above the salary of 530000 is going to be considered a TAM player. So Sané, Klushchin, Higita, they were all TAM players. And, and the clubs get a lot of money to buy down players above the 530000 threshold every single season. Um, I think it's 3 or $4 million to buy down. So it's not the end of the world if he's a TAM player. It's not the end of the world if he, his salary is a little bit above Sané's because I think a lot of people are comparing him to Sané. I think um, with they have every right to as well. I'm comparing him to Sané because he's basically his replacement, a tall center back, um, but and he's, he's most likely going to be starting, especially under the salary he was given. But he he's what, seven years, six, seven years younger? He's 26 years old. Sané was 32, going on 33, I believe. So he's younger. He may be better. He may be more fit. Um, if you remember Sané's first season with us, he had loads of injury problems. You know, I don't have a problem with losing Sané if that means we are going to have Carlos in here. And if it doesn't work, it's a loan with an option to buy. Again, like we saw with uh, Schlegel and like we saw with Huan. So I, I'm i excited for the deal overall. But in terms of TAM and DP, uh, um, I doubt he has DP status, especially with how our um, DPs are kind of set up right now. But I'm fine with him being a TAM player. Uh, I agree. I think you pay what you need and... You know, the, the spine of the team is the most important component, in my opinion. We need a strong goalkeeper, strong centre-back. 
strong midfield and you need a striker that you can rely on. And if you get those five players or six players, however it ends up being, then you, you need to pay decent money to have them. You can get away with, you know, I guess everyday quality in the other positions if you have those areas uh, sorted out. So I think that, you know, a time contract is good, probably what he's going to end up with anyway. But if it was DP, it wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, but the, the thing with the DP is, you know, there's rumors that Coleman might be coming back and he's going to take up a DP slot. We're obviously buying down Pereira, so we are going to have a DP slot available. Um, but it's just complicated because if Coman comes back, then, you know, we have Nani and people are saying, well, are we getting rid of Dom Dwyer? Are we not getting rid of Dom Dwyer? You know, there's just so many different things to look at when you're looking at the DP slots. He very well could be a DP and that that would be the case if Coleman doesn't come back. Um, which it's looking like he might be a part of the Chero Potenio squad under their new coach. But so if, if Coman doesn't come back, he very well could be a DP, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think it's whatever works as far as, you know, the squad's going to be set up. I mean, however they can, you know, affect the affordability of everybody is how they'll do it. I, I don't expect him to be a DP. I just don't have a problem if he is. Because I'm, I'm just illustrating the fact that we should be looking at players everywhere that are going to be better than what we have. And having a DP striker doesn't guarantee results, as we as we very much know. So it's um, <clears throat> you know I, I expect that DP slot will probably be used on a on a striker, to be honest. But if not, we'll just see how it pans out. Yeah, we will see how it pans out. Now to talk about some rumors that we have floating around the club still. Um, just quickly touch on Junior Urso. Uh, we talked about him last time. He's center mid, 30 years old. Um, still rumored to be joining the club. A lot more reports now coming that he's going to be signing a four-year contract, which I think, did we talk about that last time? I think we talked about how it was going to be a two plus two. Um, that's my guess, and they're just saying four. Um, but new reports coming out that I wanted to ask you about. He is reported to be a million, was it a million? I think it's around a million dollars salary. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a big salary. You've got to hope that he um, he improves the, the field of players that we've got. So, you know, let's see, see how that goes. Do you think he would be a starter? I would hope so on that money. If we're not going to, by a starter with that salary, then I'm not quite sure what we're doing. So you have to assume he's going to be in the first 11, at least to begin with. And then, you know, with the, with the Brazilian, you know, backline that we're on well, half backline with uh, Carlos and Juan, and then you've got Urso as well. Um, you're going to have some kind of um, maybe understanding between them already. You would think that's what they're planning to do. So it's, it, on a million salary, I mean, you would expect them to be playing for sure. I mean, we've, we've got to put them to the same standard that we've put our other million-dollar contract players on and expect them to perform at that level. Yeah. Um, and now for the next rumor, uh, Pedro Gais. Uh, Gais, Gais, goalkeeper out of Alianza Lima. Um, well, he was on loan there. I can't remember his home club right now. I'm very excited about this one. Um, reports coming out today that he's coming because he uh, is having problems with his wife. He, I believe he cheated on her. So not the best uh, guy that we're getting, to say the least. But player, 
we are getting a very good goalkeeper. This one looks all but done. Uh, reports saying he rejected big money from Alianza Lima, and he is coming to MLS, and he is coming to Orlando City. What are your thoughts on the potential goalkeeper? Well, it's it's kind of funny that you um, you brought that the personal issues up. It's uh, it's like he has to get away to Florida just to get away from from his wife. It's kind of funny. I think uh, that's just my dark humor, though. But I, in all seriousness, I from what I've seen of the goalkeeper, and I believe he's a World Cup goalkeeper as well, which is another bonus. Um, I think he'll be a he's going to be an improvement for sure on what we've had, and he's going to easily be a top ten keeper. You would think in the league. So he looks very commanding. He looks pretty bold. I mean, he punches the ball a bit too much. You know, I think it might be a little bit hazardous if he doesn't get that right, but he's a shot stopper. He looks really, really alert. He's like having a, a cat back in the net, so he looks like he can get down really well, uh, get across really well, and that's just going to inspire confidence in, in our defenders. So um, I'm with you on that. I think it will be a, a good signing for us if we can get it through through the door. We just took a long time with Carlos, and I'm hoping that we can just get this one done so nobody else can snap him up. Yeah, if, if we if we're gonna get him, he, we need to get him done quickly. Uh, I want that. I want that contract signed. I want that announcement done you know, within the next week. I'm 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 gonna get a little bit of Cano Herman Cano syndrome uh, with him. Um, and I didn't even write him down when I was talking to you about him because that happened this week. Herman Cano is not coming to Orlando City. Everybody hearing this knows that. Um, we all, I think we talked about that last podcast. We've kind of figured that. So um, that's disappointing. But I think, I don't know. I, I think we're going to get a striker. I don't know. It depends on if Dom leaves, in my opinion. Do, do you think that's kind of the deciding factor? I don't. I think a striker's coming in regardless of what uh, Dom Dwyer is doing. Um, as for Kano, we're better off without him. He, as good a player as he looks... He is on the wrong side of 30, and he's also, you know, he's, he's obviously been waiting for the best contract he can get. I believe Orlando will have given him a decent contract if he chose to sign. But if he's going to sit around and kind of keep Orlando hanging and then sign with somebody else, I'm, me personally, I'm, I'm very happy that he didn't sign. I think you need players that are committed to the club. Um, and as for Dwyer, I think we're going to sign a striker, regardless of what Don Dwyer does. It's going to have to be somebody that that makes more of an impact off the ball and can play to the system more than Dwyer does. If Dwyer goes, then even better because we've got some more flexibility, but I don't think it's a sensible strategy to, to put your stock in Dom Dwyer right now. Yeah. All right, and, and that was – we kind of cut off of uh, Pedro there, but did you have anything else you wanted to say about uh, Pedro Gais? I, um, the only thing I can say about uh, Gais is that if he is if he has all this drama around him in Peru, and I've I've looked up things online, and it looks like his exploits have made the national news and such. I'm just hopeful that if he comes to Orlando, his head's screwed on, and he's focused on on playing the game. You know, we had issues with uh, with Carl Larin, you know, getting in trouble in, in in downtown Orlando. As you know, then you had the those other uh, players going off to Disney and getting thrown out. I mean, we really don't need that type of drama at the football club. So I'm hoping that. You know, if he comes here, he, he he acts as a not just as a a great goalkeeper, but as a kind of as a, a model professional as well. And you know that 
the news that's that comes to him is just positive news. That's that's the only focus, um, the only sorry, the only concern I would have. But as a player, I mean, very excited. I, I hope he signs. If he could be a very good goalkeeper for us. Yeah, that's a good point. Off field, he needs to be um, in top top shape. We need him to do to be a good role model for the club, like you said. That's a very good point, actually. Um, we don't need another Dom Dwyer. We really cannot afford another Dom Dwyer right now. Well, even Dom Dwyer. I mean, I, I consider Dwyer to be petulant, but I don't. I don't always think. I don't think of him as as a massive issue. But he's very petulant, is Dwyer. But I think what you know. Alex Morgan did at Edcott was worse. I think what Carl Larin did was a lot worse. And it's just the club being in the news for the wrong reasons. It's always going to be a concern. And anything that detracts from how well the team's doing is is going to be a negative. So if he comes, just you know, behave yourself, Pedro. Don't be getting any trouble. And go on the pitch and show everybody just what you're good at. All right, well, moving on to another rumor. that uh, This one's a smaller rumor than the ones that we just touched on with Urso and Gais. Um, this one's only had a couple reports here and there. It's not really a big rumor. Claudio Beza, uh, what are your thoughts on the central defensive midfielder? Well, I, I looked him up. I did my little bit of reconnaissance on him, and he was he excited me, to be honest, uh, more than Urso did. Um, I think he's a younger player. He was in his mid-20s. But he he plays like that role. It looks like just next to um next to a six, like he kind of like an eight, in that he seems to be able to get the ball and and play out of play out of areas and drive forward with it. And I was just thinking if if Perea is going to line up with this four two three one, he's a he's a great showing for that second defensive midfield role, and that he seems to get up and down the field much like Higita was relied upon, and make things happen and. I was actually really excited by it, so I was kind of disappointed when I saw there wasn't much to the rumor. Yeah, if I'm honest with you, I didn't really look into it that much because I didn't think there would be much to the rumor. I don't know if it was his agent uh, just you know, trying to get a deal or more money or interest from other teams. I don't know what it was, but there wasn't a lot to it. If if he's as good as you think he is, if, if you like what you saw, then obviously I hope it goes through something you know, there is genuine interest from us, but I can't see us spending yet another international spot on another player. We are just given international slots left, right, and center at the moment. If you if you count Carlos, we have Schlegel, we uh, um, have Urso, and then um, Gais. You know, that's a lot of international slots, and we don't have that many to give unless almost all of our international slots have been... Um, opened up through green cards, but no word on the green card situation as of yet. So I wouldn't believe the rumor now until we see a little bit more um, in the press. And then the final little rumor I wanted to touch on was Mendez. Uh, earlier this week, we were enlightened that we rejected a $7 million fee for Jackson Mendez. That is a lot of money, Uh <laughs> considering what we paid for him. Um, are you surprised to see that we rejected such a high fee? Not really. Not when uh, the MLS takes, I believe, 25% of the profit and such, and then you have to allocate so much money to you know, to Tam and to, um, to whatever else. The club actually did not profit very much from it in the end, not when you consider the player's potential as well and what it would cost to replace him. In my opinion, it wouldn't have been worth taking it you know, if you're looking like maybe nine or ten million, then I think you'd be more interested in it. But 
uh, from what I'm looking at here, it's uh, you know, Orlando Cash three and a half million is is the profit. You know, it's not really worth the profit unless you're going to reinvest it into somebody who's who's immediately going to be better for you and of a similar age with a similar upside. Yeah, I showed you that post by, um, and I want to give credit to at Tutul is my name. So T U T U L is my name um, on Twitter. He went and did the financials uh, of that move. And it says MLS would get $1.2 million if we were to accept that. Orlando's general allocation money, GAM, would be 750 because that's the max you get from a transfer, I believe. And then cash-wise, we would get $4.05 million, and then $3.5 million of that would be profit. So if we accepted a $7 million transfer fee, we would get a $3.5 million profit plus $750,000 in general allocation money. MLS has to change that rule or else, I, I don't know, it's just not fair, it feels like. MLS is just taking clubs' money. I, I mean, I know that we are all part of the MLS and they are going to take some sort of cut. But 25% is ridiculous. Yeah, with, with MLS, it's it's funny how they take the profit. I mean, if they want to put in 25% of the transfer fee when the initial investment is made, then they, can, they should get it. But I'm not a fan of the, um, the single entity uh, pattern, not when it comes to transfers. It's, it's kind of taking credit for the work done by a group that's independent of themselves. You know, and it's it's not really fair, like you said. Orlando ends up with four and a half million after after seven million on the table. It just doesn't look fair at all. Yeah, and and I do think MLS to be to be fair to MLS, I believe they will buy down one player each season on every single roster. They will buy down their contract. So I think, you know, to be fair, they get a a cut, and they obviously will always get a cut of every transfer fee as I think every league does, but 25%, I think that is a bit high. But moving on, uh, and we'll just finish this up here, um, two bits of news to talk about. And the first one was Maurizio Pereira, uh, recently won best player in FC Krasnodar history. Um, that's pretty impressive if you think about it. Um, they are a club that is in the Europa League, in and out of the Champions League. Um, they have they are a mainstay in the Russian Premier League. That, that's pretty impressive that our own player won that award for them. I think it's an honour for him and uh, for Orlando to have a player that's uh, regarded as you know the best player in you know in recent history in a from a top flight team. It's uh, it's a feather in the cap, so you know, good for him. I'm pretty sure that's that's something he'll remember. He'll cherish that and uh, he'll look to probably replicate it when he's in Orlando. Yeah, we can only hope he is our best player in our history over the next three or four years. Um, and then finally, this was a strange one, but one that um, might be kind of a revelation to a lot of Orlando City fans. Uh, Minnesota United released a statement about their preseason, and the last little bit was that they were heading to Orlando um, to play a couple preseason games. The, um, so everybody obviously right now is thinking Orlando Invitational. Yes, my guess is the Orlando Invitational because they didn't specifically say they were playing Orlando City. They were playing a bunch of teams. The, the, the weird thing is, is they said they would be playing at Orlando Health, Orlando Health Stadium, which is where um, the college, Eastern Florida State College, play their games um, in Melbourne, uh, which is actually where I'm from. I live like 20 minutes away from there. 
so uh, the, the Orlando Invitational might not be at Exploria Stadium this year. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, it's funny because while you've been uh, summarizing your point, I just looked up Orlando's Invitational and it, it does state on the website that it's going to be a new tradition. I think that um, it was good for a lot of supporters last season just to get in the stadium, go see the new signings, uh, see how the team was going to be set up. And, you know, it's like a three or four month break from watching games. It was just nice to be able to get there again at a decent price. And I believe some of the ticket proceeds were even donated to the Orlando City Foundation. So there was a charitable benefit as well. I I would just hope it's going to be at the stadium, but it, from what you're saying, doesn't sound like it and it doesn't make any sense. Not when they're opening the stadium for the Florida Cup and for um, for other events. I mean, why not do it for your own team? But hopefully they'll do it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see if if um, that statement by Minnesota United was correct. Um, but it, it was very specific. It literally said Orlando Health Stadium at Eastern Florida State College. So it sounded like they knew where they were going to be. Um, when it comes time to play. It didn't give a date. It just said, you know, close to the season. So we will have to see about all of that. But that is all the time we have today. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming on as ever. No, likewise. Thank you. Let me know your thoughts, guys. Make sure you follow Daniel on Instagram at ellendroder82. Um, make sure you follow me, Instagram, Twitter, um, OC Lines blog, and then obviously check out the website where I've been doing the daily update series for just over a month now. I'm loving doing it. Need to do um, another update right after we record, and that's of course at oclinesblog.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Yeah, cheers, guys. Have a good night or good day, whichever it is. Here, Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1.